Today is a special day, and it's bigger than we think. Because there are many different kinds of fathers, and they all need to be recognized and honored today. Today, we honor those fathers who consistently strive to balance loving their wives and children with being good, godly workers at their jobs. May you feel the pleasure of God. Today, we honor those dads who had poor fathers themselves, but who have committed never to become the father they grew up under. May your children continue to be guarded from any of the hurt you carry. Today, we honor the fathers who are older and who no longer have day-to-day -day obligations to their own children. May the family gatherings this weekend make you feel like you could do it all over again. Today, we honor the adult children of fathers who were absent. May the God of the fatherless become your father in ways you've only dreamed of. And may you believe with your whole heart that his leaving wasn't your fault. Today, we honor men who have no children of their own, but who father younger men as mentors and guides. May you see your important roles as impacting and life-changing. And finally today, we honor fathers who have passed away. May their good deeds live on through you, and may their careless deeds be corrected in your lifetime. Today is a special day. So for all the fathers we mentioned, and even those we didn't, be honored, be blessed, and be joyful. We believe that you have what it takes to change the world and you're doing it one relationship at a time. Happy Father's Day. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us once again on this 21st day of June, 2020. It's amazing how fast uh, the year is gone by. I can't believe it's already towards the end of June. I wanted to share with you a verse uh, that we would share many times uh, when we would gather here at the well, and it comes from Psalm 122, verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I know it's been several months since we've been able to actually uh, come to the well on a Sunday morning, or you've been able to go to uh, the church that you normally attend. And yet I want to encourage you this morning to be glad that we can still join together as a church, as the church, in worship, in the Word, even in fellowship uh, through the Internet. You know, I think of the alternative, that there would be nothing, and it would be much, much more difficult if we didn't even have the means that we do. So, so this morning, I know it's been uh, several weeks, a few months since we've been able to gather, uh, but hang in there, be patient, and choose to be glad that at least we have this. Uh, opportunity to know that we're corporately gathering, even though you're in your home or wherever you may be right now, uh, there's still a corporate sense of gathering around worship and around the Word. So let's be glad this morning. Amen. I also want to encourage you that our brother Mark is going to finish up Ephesians chapter 3 uh, this morning, and we're really looking forward to uh, him bringing the Word once again. And I want to give you a little homework 
uh, in preparation for next Sunday, okay? Uh, and it has to do with Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, what we've been covering the last few months together. And here's your homework. This week, at least once a day, okay, once a day, you can even start today, but once a day, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in one sitting. Oftentimes we read maybe a verse or a couple verses. Um, I want to encourage you, it is so fruitful, so productive, productive in your walk with Jesus to read larger portions of Scripture, specifically Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, because they're so foundational to the second half of Ephesians. So next week we're going to launch into Ephesians chapter 4, um, but before we do that, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, give you a little bit of, of loving homework. One time each day this week, okay, at least once, once a day, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in one sitting. Now, it may get a little more challenging as you get to the middle of the week because you're going to become very familiar uh, with the order. You're going to be very familiar with the verses. And that's the whole point, is that just in the repetition of reading a larger portion of Scripture, you're going to start to memorize it. You're going to start to become very familiar with it. You might even be able to close your eyes and know uh, what it looks like in your particular Bible. And as we launch into Ephesians 4, having a solid foundation of knowing 1, 2, and 3, not just uh, knowing it here, but knowing it here is going to be so incredibly uh, helpful because Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are very practical. It's, it's the, many of the how-tos when it comes to following Jesus, but it's all rooted and grounded in 1, 2, and 3. Okay, so, so that's your homework at least once a day. Uh, starting today all the way to next Sunday, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in one sitting, and I pray that you'll be blessed because you do that. And now we're going to continue with the service. We're going to have a scripture reading and then a time of worship, some announcements, and then uh, Mark will bring the word of God from Ephesians chapter 3. So thanks again for joining us this morning, and uh, we look forward to an incredible service together. God bless you. Hi, church family. My name is Jody Garfield, and I would like to share Psalm 62 with you today from the New King James Version. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are a vapor, men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O God, belongs mercy. For you render to each one according to his work. Hope you have a blessed day. Thank you.
church family. I just want to start off by saying I love and miss you all very much and I want to wish every father out there a happy Father's Day and also happy Father's Day Jesus. You are our Lord and Savior and you are our Father for eternity. So happy Father's Day Jesus. Also it's time for meet and greet. So the first people that we're going to be meeting and greeting with is my parents Larry and Sandy who've been married well over 50 years and then we're going to hear from Jordan and Shiloh, who've been married just over a week. So let's meet and greet. I'm Larry Larson, and this is my wife, Sandy, and we're our parents of uh, Tyler. And we just want to uh, say hi to you guys. And uh, I think, would you like to say just a little something? Sure. <laughs> I am uh, also the mother in law of beautiful Kim. And uh, the grandmother of Travis and Kyle, and those both, they are handsome boys. And you probably do not recognize our face, because uh, we live in Goleta. And also, uh, but we do recognize uh, several of your faces, because we have had the privilege of being able to 
uh, listened to your services every Sunday uh, and we have gained a lot from that and we want to especially to thank Richie for all the good services because uh, because we have learned a lot and uh, we thank him for that and I just want to comment on how much Sandy and I appreciate the church's love and appreciation for all their uh, pastors and also their staff mm -hmm. and we are just blessed to have be part of that uh, as uh, their parents and uh, in-laws so anyway that's uh, we care for you and it's been just a wonderful opportunity to be able to as my wife said to uh, see uh, your online presentations uh, and it's meant so much mm -hmm. to us and I know that so many others you're blessed to have such a wonderful staff mm -hmm. and pastors and we will be down to visit you real soon as soon as things settle down here thank you Hello everyone, we are now the, uh, the Stuffle Beam family and we just want to say hi on this Sunday and uh, wish you all a happy week. Love you. Bye, love you. Good morning church family and happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Uh, blessed to be able to do the offering segment of our service this morning and won't you join me as we pray for the offering. Father. Happy Father's Day to you as well, Lord. We just praise you and thank you for the guidance in our life, for, for the direction. We thank you for being a good father, that we can trust and rely on you in all things. We just uh, ask that your Holy Spirit would put on the hearts of those that are listening today, Lord, uh, what it is that they would be comfortable in giving and offering to you, Lord, on this Father's Day. We just, we know that you have many mission projects and many needs um, that your people are honored to return resources that you've provided to us back to you so that your kingdom can grow. We pray these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Again, happy Father's Day. I want to give a shout out to my dad, Jim Brooks in Ventura, who is another good, good father. It makes it very, very, and it has made it very, very easy for me to have a great relationship with my Heavenly Father because I had such a great earthly example. I just want to give a shout out to him. Offering, we take uh, snail mail at 1290 Grand Avenue in Ojai. We have a mail slot in the door if you'd like to get out and stretch your legs and drop something through there. We appreciate that. We have online giving opportunities again on the website and through our church app. And again, if anybody needs help setting that up or any direction at all, uh, I can be contacted at randy at ovcfchurch.org, and I'm always happy to help. I want to read a scripture that we've uh, commented on many times from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Family, that's just exactly what it is. There is not a requirement. There's not a mandate. It's what the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to return to the Father. And I would just ask that you would uh, pray about that and search your heart and see what God's telling you and what you feel comfortable with. And it is very, very much appreciated. And you guys have done an awesome job through some very difficult times. We know that some are struggling financially, and we want to pray for you about that as well. We, of course, have a, a prayer 
uh, email and you can contact any one of us and that information is available on the website and the church app as well. Again, happy Father's Day and blessings to everyone. Have a good day. Good morning, church family again. Um, it's time for announcements. Um, the first announcement I have for you this morning is we just concluded an 11-week study on the Gospel of Mark for the men's. It was an awesome study. We're taking a few weeks off and then we're going to start up again. So if you're interested, please go to our website and inquire. Also, if you haven't got it already, we sent out a church survey via email. If you haven't got it, you can go to our website and click on um, Church Reopening Survey. Um, the elders and the pastors, we've just been prayerfully considering how to reopen the well. Um, we spoke to Pastor Ron at Redemption. Um, he gave us some great insight on rules and regulations that he is following. Um, we also, we have to follow the state, county, and city um, guidelines, so we are prayerfully considering it. So take a, the time to fill out the survey, the deadline's tonight, and it really will help the leadership team on praying and thinking about how we are going to move forward. So thank you for doing that. Now it's time for Kingdom Kids. So let's hit it. change into a special uniform or a suit when they go to work, just like a superhero. Sometimes dads have to administer justice, and that justice means disciplining us for breaking the rules. No one likes to be disciplined, but a good dad disciplines with love. They show us a lot of patience and forgiveness, and their love shows us how God loves us. Indeed. High five. In Luke chapter 15, we read the story of the lost son. The lost son was a young man who took half his dad's money and left home. He wasted all the money his dad worked so hard to save. He just spent it 
wildly. And then he had no more money. No more money. And he had to get a job feeding the pigs. how God loves us. He is always patient and he always forgives, forgives us. If there's a special dad or another special person in your life who loves you this way, they deserve to know how much you appreciate them today. We need to appreciate our super dads because when they take time to teach us things and are patient with us as we learn and grow up, it reminds, it reminds us, us that God, that God is also patient with, with, with us and will and forgive us when we make, make mistakes. Hey, Kim! Now, now! You got your tooth in. I did, though, did you? Me, I took. It takes a lot of patience, huh? It took me five years. Oh, silly. Patience isn't easy, is it? Mm-mm. That's what makes it a superpower. When our dad shows us patience and forgiveness, they're really showing us how patient and forgiving the Lord is. Yes, and whether your superpower is your dad, well, it's not your superpower because you're superhero. Mm -hmm. It's like your super dad, yeah. and if that's your dad or it's your stepdad or it's your grandpa, mm -hmm. it's your uncle or it's your mom. Yeah. I hope you tell them today that you love them and say, thanks for being so patient with me. Because they deserve our love and our thanks. We hope you have a happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Superhero Dad. Bye. Bye. And don't forget to check out Kingdom Kids on our website. Fun. Exciting. I know. My tooth is loose. Uh-oh. Patience. Patience. Patience is good. Bye. Well, hello again. Uh, my name is Mark Bodycomb. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and uh, I had the privilege of sharing the message last week, and here I am again. Um, and it really, again, is for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, to give Richie another uh, week off from sermon preparation, which is really just timely, I think, for him at the moment. And two, I wasn't done. So last week, I uh, didn't get to kind of finish everything I'd like to say about these passages in Ephesians 3. So today we're going to finish it up. So just to remind you, we're looking at uh, Ephesians um, 3, 14 to 21. And I talked last week about how this is really contextually within Ephesians 3, a prayer uh, that Paul starts early, uh, kind of midway through chapter 1, and is now picking up again in verse 14 in chapter 3 and concluding toward, uh, really throughout the rest of the chapter. And, the, and uh, verses 14 to 19, which is the thrust of the prayer that Paul is finishing in chapter 3, says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. And so again, we started uh, or kind of finished up last week by saying that Paul starts this section in Ephesians 3 by saying, for this reason. So what was this reason? That's what we talked about last week. 18 different truths, 18 different spiritual facts, 18 different spiritual realities. Are they doctrine? Absolutely. They're core to the doctrine of the Christian faith. But much more than doctrine, which is just something that sometimes we can just know and file away. These are spiritual realities. This is what reality really looks like that the work that Christ has accomplished, that he has put us into and seated us with Christ at the Father's right hand. That's what we looked at last week, and that is what Paul is talking about for this reason, and he continues on with his prayer. <clears throat> and just to remind you, just uh, quickly, uh, Warren uh, Wiersbe last week, I read a quote, just the last sentence from that in his summary of this prayer of Paul's. He says, Wiersbe says, so then... Paul is praying for strength, for depth, for apprehension, and for fullness. <clears throat> so Paul starts the very first words. For this reason, he says, I bow. I bow before the Father. Um, this notion of bowing just carries so much weight to it. Um, back in uh, biblical times, prayer done by the Jews was rarely, if ever, done by bowing. They stood. If you've ever seen Hasidic Jews when they're praying during the multiple times of prayer that they have during the, during the day, they're all standing and they rock back and forth and that kind of stuff, but they stand, they, they, they pray and they, uh, in a standing position. But Paul is saying, I bow, I am on my knees, I am bowing before my Father. And why is he doing that? Because of the amazing stuff that he's just talked about. In light of all this glorious accomplished work that Christ has done, I am bowing, bowing before my Father and praying for these people in Ephesus that I love so much. And he says that he's bowing before his father. Again, just think of what we've learned about that word. The word father is, there's two really aspects to it. There's, a, there's an element of intimacy that element of Abba, Father, my Father, you are my Father, Daddy, that level of intimacy that Paul is saying, I bow before my Father. But there's also an element of obedience, that God is God, and He is in charge, and He is in control, and in that sense, He's the Father over all things. And Paul is saying, I bow intimately, I bow with obedience before the one that I worship, the one who is over all. And then Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, I love what the New uh, Living Translation, the way that they put that little section, it says, I pray that from his, God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. 
his glorious, unlimited resources. That's what we're talking about when we say the riches of his glory. It makes me think about the throne in Revelation 4. It's hard to even describe how glorious the throne is with jewels and the living creatures around it and all of the elders and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's worship that's going on nonstop before the Father. There's power and holiness and that he is worthy. This is the context of riches of glory, all the wealth of what he has, all the capabilities, all the power, all the unlimited resources, all of the worthiness. This is the picture of God on the throne. It is out of those riches of his glory that Paul is praying and asking God to do these things in our lives. Uh, Philippians 4.16 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches of, of glory, in glory, in Jesus Christ. And again, those riches have become ours in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus that all of God's riches, all of his resources, all of his glory are made available to you and I to meet every need that we have. Then Paul goes on to ask the Father, that you and I would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner being. Strength and power in particular can only come from the Holy Spirit. What Paul is praying has nothing to do with effort. It's nothing to do with our behavior, with whether we behave well or we don't behave well, with how hard we work or how hard we don't work. It has nothing to do with our performance, whether we are, are good Christians or not such good Christians. It's not got anything to do with our talents. It has to do with the Spirit, the life of the Spirit, the reality of the Spirit that He has sealed us with, that He has put, us, put inside of us. It is through the Spirit that we find the power to live and the Christian life to walk, as Watchman Nee was talking about. It only comes through the, through the Holy Spirit. And Paul's prayer is that God would strengthen us through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. What is that? What is our inner being? Well, that's you. That's everything that you are. It's your entire being. It's your heart. It is your mind, it's your spirit, it's your whole personality. It's every element of you. It's not just part of you, it's you. Your inner being, the deepest part of your heart, the deepest part of who you are. God wants the strength. Paul is praying, Father, strengthen this person and strengthen that person in their inner being through the Holy Spirit. What a powerful prayer. That inner being, it's the new self that is talked about. Paul talks about it in Colossians 3 where he says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. That's our fallen selves. That's, that's the old story, the old self. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. This new self, our inner being, is being transformed, is being renewed by the knowledge and the to ultimately be in the image of God, of our Creator. So Paul continues that so Christ, why? Why is Paul praying that we would be strengthened in our inner being through the work of the Holy Spirit? Paul says, so that, that's the purpose. God, I'm praying that, that you will strengthen them through the Spirit in their inner being so that, I, I'm praying this so that each one of us will have Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That 
it's just amazing. The prayer that Christ would dwell in your heart in the deepest possible way and that that is done through faith. This is talking about a deeper experience with Christ. Not superficial, but deep. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on how we're feeling that day or what's going on around us. It's not based on whether our circumstances are good or bad. It's not based, as I mentioned, on our performance or what we do. It is based on faith. It comes through faith, through our belief, through our trusting, through our surrendering. It is through those activities, those actions, that our heart activities, we believe in our hearts. We believe and we trust through our hearts. We surrender our hearts to God. It is through that action, those actions on our part, that we will then have Christ dwelling in our inner beings, in our hearts, through faith. Again, I like how the New Living Translation uh, puts verses 17 to 19. It says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Um, as you and I are strengthened in our inner being by the Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, we will grow deeper into his love. We will be rooted and grounded in the love of God. It will become more and more of our living reality every day. And through that, we will experience in our lives, in our hearts, we will experience the love of Christ in our inner beings. And then Paul goes on to pray. And again, this is just one of, one of the parts of these passages that just, just blows my mind. It's just so hard to kind of get my head around. He prays that you and I will know, absolutely know, and we'll talk about what that means, but know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? How do you know something that you can't know? How do you know something that surpasses knowledge, that is impossible to know? How do you know that? Um, when you think in terms of science, there's lots of things just in the natural world that scientists know and some things that they don't know. There's mysteries that they see, things in the universe or things in the human body and they can understand that it works and it's amazing how it works, but they don't understand how it works. They don't know. They don't have the understanding. Or maybe another example, frankly, would be women. Is that something that is easy to know? All I can say is trying to know the unknowable, i.e. my wife, that can be really challenging sometimes. But back to scripture, um, Paul says that we can know the love of Christ, even though that love surpasses knowledge. And I want to say there are, I think, three ways that, that we can do that. How do we know the unknowable? One is through Scripture. Scripture, the Word of God, reveals His truth to us and enlightens our minds, enlightens our spirits, and helps us understand the ununderstandable. The second element is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This notion of bearing witness, the Holy Spirit bears witness, speaks to, 
confirms, um, reveals, informs, brings knowledge. The Holy Spirit bears witness to your spirit, which is an element of your physical being. He is in you, and the Holy Spirit bears witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. We know the unknowable. We know the unfathomable because the Holy Spirit helps us spiritually understand, reveals to us truth just like Scripture does. And lastly is our own experience, our own actual experience in our lives of that love, of the love of Christ that at times seems unbelievably unknowable. Mark Roberts explains it this way. Remember that when Scripture speaks of knowing, it almost always envisions a relational, experiential kind of knowing, a knowing that includes but goes beyond intellectual understanding. You and I are privileged to know the love of Christ, not just as a wonderful idea, but also as something to be felt, to be treasured. Yet, even in the realm of personal knowing, there is always more to Christ's love to be experienced. To put it plainly, Christ loves you more than you can understand, and he has still more love for you to experience. It's this, this type of love that is um, beyond knowledge reminds me of the um, event in, uh, I think it's in, in John 12, where Mary, this is shortly before Jesus is, uh, uh, he's in Bethany and he's about to go into Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified in about five or six days. And Mary comes to a meal where Jesus is, is having uh, with Lazarus. And she brings in a jar of perfume, of nard. And this is hands down, without question, the most expensive possession that she has. This is something that has a significant amount of monetary value to the point where uh, John says that Judas Iscariot, after Mary, broke this vial and anointed Jesus' feet with this expensive oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Judas Iscariot even complains about why didn't we sell this uh, and give the money to the poor. It was a very expensive gift or, uh, you know, something that was so valuable to Mary that, but she knew the worth. She knew the worth because she knew who the Lord was. She knew the worth because she knew her own unworthiness, her own unlovableness, uh, that's, I think I just made that word up, but she knew that I am a sinner. I have no worth and I can't, I can't believe that I'm loved by this man. I can't believe that the son of God loves me. And she gave the most expensive thing in her life to worship and to honor and to praise him. That really happened to me also. I've shared my testimony before, but really in my 20s, as I was an early young Christian living with a, a group of Christians in Isla Vista, California, I had the, the privilege of being just presented with the truth of the gospel, the truth of this vision of an, of an unbelievable Christ and learning that love in my early years as a believer. And it's just been such a foundation that I've relied on since then. So Paul is praying fervently and passionately. He is on his face bowing before the Father that you and I, being rooted and grounded in God's love, that we are planted that we are growing, that we're maturing, that we are experiencing, that we will be strong enough with the saints to comprehend, to understand, to grasp this love of Christ that is so great 
that we can't fully understand it, even until we see him face to face. Then we will understand completely. But Paul's not done. This is not even the end of the prayer. He caps off his prayer by stating that the whole point of everything that he has prayed so far is that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. What does that mean? That you, I, I'm a man, I'm a human being, I'm 66 years old, that God wants to put the fullness of God inside me. He wants me to be filled with all that he is. Every attribute, every aspect, every accomplishment, all that Jesus has done. He wants you and I to be filled with all the fullness of God. That is just amazing. Charles Stanley addresses this bewildering part of uh, Paul's prayer by saying this. The final request is that we should be filled with the fullness of God. Paul takes us into the realm of mystery here. How is it that we frail humans, even redeemed humans, can be filled with the fullness of God? I don't dare to attempt to define precisely what Paul means by our being filled with the fullness of God. Like knowing that the love that surpasses knowledge, this is an experience that is beyond experience. From our weak, finite human vantage point, this is impossible. But Paul prays for it anyway, and so should we. How can this become reality? Now to him, and this is a quote from the end of chapter 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, to him be the glory in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever, amen. And this is still Stanley's quote, and he ends by saying, God can do it. How can he do the impossible? There is nothing impossible with God. God can do these impossible things in your heart and in your life and in my life. We belong to a God who can and he does do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of, of, according to the power that is at work within us and that is Jesus. So I want to bring us back from the very beginning of last week to this concept of sit, walk, and stand. Remember that Paul said in Ephesians 2, uh, 4 to 6, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up. The Father raised you up. He raised me up with Christ. And he seated us with Christ in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. The whole point of the first three chapters of Ephesians is that all that Christ has accomplished, all that he has done belongs to you. It belongs to me. And our job is simply to sit, to sit, to rest, to claim, to to rely on, to have faith in, to believe in, to depend on, to surrender to the work that Christ has done. It's not our job to work for it. It's not our job to pursue it. It's not our job to perform for it or to behave in certain ways, but just to sit in Christ in the heavenly places. There's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for us to do. It's all been done by Christ. Watchman Nee puts it this way in his book. 
The Christian life from start to finish is based upon this principle of utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus. There is no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow upon us. He will give us everything, but we can receive none of it except as we rest in him. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished, work stops, and we sit. It is paradoxical, but it is true that we only advance in the Christian life as we learn first of all to sit down. This brings to mind for me um, what Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. And this is, Revelation is being written, uh, I think the best guess is somewhere in about the 90s. So this is, you know, 35 years or so after Paul had spent his time in Ephesus. It's, um, you know, maybe 30-ish years after Paul had written to Ephesus. And Jesus says to the church in Ephesus in Revelation, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place, unless you repent. The Ephesians, some years later, had forgotten how to sit. They had forgotten how to rest on and rely on and depend on and rest in the accomplished work of Christ. These comments that Jesus made were all about their hearts. It was about their love. It was about their first love. And that question then comes to you and me. Where is our heart? Where is my heart? Where is your heart? Is Jesus more important to you, to me, than anything else in this world? Is he the most important thing that we have? As Paul prayed in chapter 1, that his prayer at the beginning was that you and I would have the eyes of our heart be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope to which God has called us. Does his spirit stir in your inner, in, in your inner being with power? Does his in, Holy Spirit in your spirit bring conviction, direction, love, transformation so that Christ can dwell in your heart more and more every day? These are not just stories. These are real events. These are not just doctrines or thoughts or ideas. This is reality. This is what God wants. Do you see yourself seated in Christ every day in the finished work of Christ? Do you know that you are there in Christ in the right hand? You are fully redeemed, set free from sin, a member of his body, having every spiritual blessing, confident to approach the throne of God. But that is what God wants. That's what God wants from me. That is what God wants from you. All you and I have to do is ask. All we have to do is be willing to bring our hearts bow down before the Father and ask him to, to give us this ability, this willingness to sit, to learn to walk, and then to stand. So would you pray with me, please? Lord, Father, um, I come to you praying for myself, Lord, and I pray for everyone who is listening to this message today. I pray that your spirit will strengthen our inner being. 
I pray that you will dwell deeply in our hearts. I pray that you will give us the comprehension to know the depths of your love for us. I pray that we will be filled with your fullness, all the fullness of God. And I thank you, Father, that you, who are able to do far more than what we ask or that we think, according to the power of your Spirit at work within us, we give you the glory, we give you the praise, we give you the honor forever and ever. Amen. So as we move now into a time of uh, taking communion, again, I encourage you to either take it during the song that is about to begin, or again, if you choose to pause and just reflect on these truths, on this prayer of Paul's, and let it draw you into remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and celebrating that sacrifice together. So enjoy communion, and we'll see you back in a minute.
declares your majesty. You are Well, hello, welcome back. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's really been a privilege for me to be able to uh, just share the message these last couple of weeks and to share what the Lord had given me. Um, I trust, I hope, I pray that the Lord has spoken to you through his word, through the truth. He certainly has to me. Um, again, we thank you just during these times for joining us, for joining in for worship and fellowship, even though it be remotely. Uh, it's so important that we continue to engage, that we continue to function and be his body, to be his church, even though at the moment we can't do that in physical proximity. So again, thank you for being with us today. And again, I just want to close you with the same doxology. I read it last week, but it's so powerful and it's so appropriate to what we've been talking about these last two weeks. So in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21 say, now to him, to the Father, to our God, to our Father who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or all that we can possibly think. And he does that work according to the power that is at work within us. It's at work in you, it's at work in me. To him, to the Father, be glory in the church. To him, to the Father, be glory in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and for all eternity forever and ever. Amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week.